Hey, good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. There you go. Ooh, that feels good. And we got a good word for you here this morning. Here we are embarking on another new year. I'll bet you you never, Larry, I'll bet you never thought you'd ever see 2023. Am I right? You know, we're both about in the same age category, right? So all of us, the whole Gallagher crew and, and uh, you guys to, to be with us this morning, uh, glad to have you. But I can remember a time when two, the year 2000 seemed like it was so far off, right? And here we are 23 years beyond it, and good. I'm happy about it. I'm happy to get older, and I will be happy to get older and older, and I will be very happy to leave this planet. Not worried about that whatsoever. Matter of fact, all of my retirement and everything I've been working for for the last 40 years is all pointed in that direction. So, nothing to worry about. Uh, with the new year. I, um, what, what I want to do is, over the next little while, because it is the new year, and because I want to kind of kick it off with an emphasis on something that um, I'm confident will actually lay a foundation and um, be, a, be something that we can actually give, some total, give our total attention to, and it will be a very fruitful um, and uh, and helpful and beneficial spiritual exercise, I want to speak on a particular topic that um, I'm, I'm certain is like going to be, it is certainly the most important thing I believe that you can specifically do or apply your attention to in order to see genuine spiritual growth and fruitful living happen in your life. If you, if you attend to this one thing, you will see your life begin to flourish in the Lord, and, it's, uh, it, 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 and that's a guarantee. That is an absolute guarantee. You'll have to try it out for yourself. So the title of uh, my message this morning to you, uh, and again, this is where we're going to be looking for, uh, for the next little while into this same topic, transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Transformed by the renewing of of your mind. How, how does this happen? You got to get your thinking straightened out. So the subtitle, getting your mind aligned. Okay, getting your mind aligned. Aligned with what? Aligned with the Word of God. The more we get our thoughts and our thinking aligned with the Word of God, the more genuinely spiritual, not arrogantly spiritual or, you know, pompously in the sense that I know so much and all this, but it just allows you know, um, well, actually, we'll go into all these passages of Scripture because today and for the next few weeks as we begin this new year, I want to spend uh, some serious time on the many, many, many passages in Scripture which speak to us about how important it is for us to get our thinking lined up with the Word of God. It is probably, um, from my point of view, the most fruitful and powerful thing you can do to equip, equip yourself to live a life that honors and pleases the Lord. And if you live a life that honors and pleases the Lord, if you honor him, he will honor you as well, right? That's, that's the way it works. <clears throat> so there are so many of these passages I just couldn't decide. I'm like a kid in a candy shop. You know, there's just so many like delicious little passages of scripture that we can jump into. I just feel, well, let's just do them all. I have a box of chocolates and we'll take one out each week and we'll poke it to see what flavor it is and then we'll consume it and we'll have another one next week. But there are passages all over the place. Something like Psalm 1. Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, stands in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. I think I've told you the story before, but at one point the, the young Jewish rabbis were beginning to be influenced by Greek philosophy. And so you know, this, this is maybe two, three, 400 BC. And so they began to approach the older rabbis to ask them, would it be okay if, um, if they were to take some time and to actually delve into Greek philosophy? So the rabbis got together and thought about it and, and, and discussed it. And then they went back to the younger rabbis and they said, well, you are certainly completely free to pursue uh, any and all Greek philosophy or anything else that you may want to, except for the fact that the Word of God says that you must meditate in the Word, um, in God's Word, day and night. So if you can find some time other than day or night, feel free to go ahead and enjoy some Greek philosophy. 
We're going to be talking a little bit about Greek philosophy. Did you not get it? I mean, was it not funny? Or did I, have I told it too many times? And it's just like, oh yeah, we heard this one before, Pastor Steve. <clears throat> All right. It, it's hard to do this for 30 some odd years and not tell the same joke once or twice, you know? I'll give you a shot at it if you want. You just leave me a little note and say, hey, could I get up there on Sunday morning, Pastor Steve? I don't think we'll have, but Psalm 1, okay, that'd be a great starting point. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. What? What is the outcome? He will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He'll bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. In other words, no dry times. No dry times. His leaf also shall not wither. And here's the bonus. And whatsoever he does will prosper. How many would like that? Wouldn't you like to prosper in everything that you do? Now, that doesn't mean it's going to come without opposition. It's just going to come on easy street that you're just going to like, you know, sail down the road and, uh, and, and there'll never be a challenge or never be, uh, never be any problems along the way. But God's word is very clear that um, if we make that our priority, everything we do will prosper. How about Isaiah chapter 55? Let the wicked man forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to our God and he will um, deliver and to the Lord for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts, my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And then he says to the people, he's, he's, he's calling people to align themselves. Hey, who's thirsty out there? Come and buy. Come. I, I've got, I got a table all laid out for you. It's got the richest choices of foods. It's not going to cost you anything. So all you've got to do is pitch your old bad way of thinking, your old stinking thinking, and get your mind realigned with what God has to say. And then he says, then you'll go out with joy, be led forth in peace. The mountains and the, and the trees will break forth before you into singing. Or something, no, the mountains will break forth before you into to see, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Symbolic language, no doubt, but certainly something that is letting us know that this is the path towards happiness, joy, fruitful living, success in our walk with the Lord, right? So we got Psalm 1, we got Isaiah chapter 55. We're going to look at these in depth in the weeks to come. How about 2 Corinthians chapter 10? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Now, we learn that not only is it something that will refresh and soothe and encourage and build up and all that in terms of the word of God, but there's something more, right? It's a weapon. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God. For what? For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to Christ. All right, so that whole passage there is saying that, the word, that knowing the word of God is actually a weapon, okay? If you are, whether you are aware of it or not, you are a soldier in the Lord's army, right? If you're not aware of it, you probably should snap out of it and wake up to this because you've got a target on your back and there's somebody that wants to do nothing but render you useless as a believer. And you have a choice to do and, and to be able to accomplish things in your life or let the Lord accomplish things through your life that will be eternally fruitful, eternally rewarded. So there's another, uh, another valuable, so we'll, we'll look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. What else do we have up here? Philippians chapter two, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, right? Think like Jesus. We're gonna talk a lot today about the, having the mind of Christ. Scripture says, we have the mind of Christ. What does this mean? Am I a clairvoyant? Am I able to foretell the future? Can I see the very secrets in people? No, it's not about that. I, I, because I know the word of God and because the spirit of God is in me, I can discern my way through this crazy world and not get trapped by every stupid, useless, fruitless, ridiculous thing that comes rolling down the, the pike but I can just discern my way through all that stuff and just commit myself to things that matter, to living a lifestyle that matters. Instead of just squandering my time and my energy and my money, I can actually invest everything that I have into this call of Christ on my life. It's like what Paul said last week, you know, um, forgetting those things are, that are behind and pressing forward. I, I, I commit myself, this, this one thing I do, for, I forget those things that are behind. Hey, he had a lot of things that were worth remembering. 
he was like at the top of the stack. He was like, he was an overachiever. He was very learned and well uh, instructed at the feet of Gamaliel. He was part of the Sanhedrin. He had all kinds of things. He made it. He was a star. He was a superstar in ancient Israel. But you know what he said about all that superstardom? He says, I, at this point, I just count it all as dung. Not a pretty picture. I count it all as dung because of the knowledge that I now have of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. So, um, all of these passages are speaking to us about the importance of getting our mind aligned, getting our thinking aligned with the Word of God. <clears throat> Notice what the Word of God says about the spirit, spiritual condition of people who are lost. This is from Ephesians chapter four. We covered this a while ago. But notice how Paul is exhorting them in this very department. In other words, in, in, in all of Paul's letters, we'll see this in a big way today because we'll be spending a little time in Romans, book of Romans. And there's always like a, an introductory theological section in which he breaks down theological dogma teaching um, and, then, and then at some point turns and says, now, this is what's important. Apply it. It needs to be applied to daily living. And so in, in uh, Romans, it's chapter 12. In Ephesians, it's chapter 4. As you know, because you were listening so attentive to me months and months and months ago when we were working our way through the book of Ephesians. But notice what the Word of God says about the spiritual condition of people in this world who are lost. He says, now this I say, and he's, he's speaking to his people um, in the church at Corinth. He says, now this I say, and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. You know what the world is serving up to you and I on a daily basis? Futility, uselessness, worthlessness, emptiness, garbage, junk. And when you get garbage in, you get garbage back out. Have you noticed the way the entire sense of tastefulness and class is just kind of going south. And every movie you watch, like the F-bomb is like the third word in every sentence. And I mean, everything is becoming crass, right? And it, it's really unfortunate because it, it, it's just a, a lowering of the bar to the lowest possible place. And we shouldn't want that. We shouldn't want the, the bar to go down. We should, if anything, want to raise the standard of life and live like people who know God. And, and know where they're going and, and know what the, the purpose and value of our lives are, right? So as we, as we lose touch with the word of God, we, we just find that the, the, all of culture is just sinking like a stone. This culture is serving up futility. So he says, they are darkened. Notice how many, how many references here speak deliberately or directly to that aspect of what people are thinking about, okay? He says, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated, from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves over to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Okay, that to me is kind of a description of where our culture is going, right? Greedy to practice every form of impurity, right? Giving themselves over to sensuality. And then what's really important for us to be mindful of too is that we live in an information culture. We have so much information. And of course, it's, we, we, we daily drink from the trough of all this stream, this massive fire hose of information that's coming our direction through media, through television, for sure, through movies, all of the various different sources of information, um, uh, computers, all of this. This is a, a constant flow into our life. And again, most of it is simply not aligned. It, we, we, to, to say the nicest thing about it, it's not aligned with the Word of God. So if it's not, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's at best only partially true, and at worst, it's probably completely wrong. And it's just a, 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 a fruitless waste of time. So let's take a minute here. We are real blessed this morning to be here, aren't we? Yeah. Right, where we can have some time to kind of dive into the word of God a little bit and, and be refreshed and washed. The word of God washes us, doesn't it? It kind of like washes the dirt off and kind of cleans us up. Isn't it a great feeling when you... When you it, 
I wind up doing numbers of different jobs that get me like really like filthy dirty. You know, it's like, I'm a guy. Guys like that. Guys are made for the dirt. Can I get a witness out there? Right? Guys don't mind having dirty hands and dirt under their nails and stuff like that. But when that happens, it sure does feel good to get in the shower and just wash all. And that's, that's what the Word of God does for us. It just washes all the dirt of life away and kind of like clears up our vision and allows us to, ser- to discern what's really going on down here and then cooperate with God in fulfilling his plan and purpose for our life. Hallelujah. So let's take a minute and we will commit this time to the Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your presence here. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence here in this place. Thank you that you walked with everybody here throughout this week. Whether we were paying attention or weren't paying attention, you were paying attention and you were aware and and, and cognizant of what is taking place in our life. And we're never alone. We We can always cast our cares upon you because you are constantly caring for us. And you are guiding and leading and directing us in this world to make us useful and fruitful while we live here. And you are preparing a place eternally that we will live together with you. We got it made. <laughs> we got it made. And yeah, there's a few tribulations, challenges, trials, struggles, what have you, along the way. Okay, no problem. No problem. With you, we have strength. With you, We have power with you. We have love with you. We have encouragement. We have hope. We have purpose. We have meaning. We have everything that we need in you, O Lord. So thank you for this time to be together. Thank you for this great place that you have allowed us to have. And and, uh, thank you for friends who are visiting with us here this morning. We just pray that uh, everyone's heart will be spoken to here today and that something from your word will just find its way and, and, and bury itself right on in there and plant itself right there in the deep part of our, our spiritual life and will in due season bring forth that fruit, the leaf, shall, the leaf that shall not wither and will bring forth spiritual prosperity into our life. So we, we thank you for this time to be together. Pray that you will give us an attentive mind to be, think about the things that are being on the, that are put on the table here today and a receptive mind. And Lord, that all of these things will serve to equip us to be able to fulfill your purpose and plan for our life and to be fruitful in our walk together with you. So bless our time this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's good-looking people said, well, that wasn't too promising, was it? We've got the ugliest congregation I've ever seen, yeah. All the good-looking people said, now, there we go. Okay, that's a little bit better. I was telling the the worship team the other day, I remember going to a a Carmen, if you remember um, Carmen from years ago, but the guy was a tremendous songwriter, musician, the whole deal. He he had it all. And uh, so he would get up, and you know how preachers would go, like, just stand up right now, turn around and tell somebody, tap them on the shoulder and say, God, whatever it may happen to be, right? So he got up one time and he says, I just want you right now, he says, I want everybody in in the house to do this. I just want you to turn to that person on your left and say, I just thank God. Go ahead, turn to the person on your left and say, I just thank God that I don't look like you. Yeah. Anyway, in the last few months, the Wallace and the, we in the Wallace family had a little problem. There was an accident with our Mini Cooper. Okay, now I didn't have the accident, so I can't be blamed. I was not the guy, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, why is he telling this story about his wife having an accident with the vehicle? Why, why would he embarrass her like that? But, but because this is true, Lorraine didn't have the accident either. Somebody else was using the car. And <clears throat> um, I, was, I was walking out the back door here and walking over to my place. And I looked at the car and I did like a double take. I'm, look, I'm looking at the front tire. And the front tire, honest, I'm, this, this is totally true. The front tire has a gouge in the sidewall that's probably like that big, a hole. I mean, a, a complete hole in the sidewall of the tire, that big. And I'm going like, no, that can't possibly be. <laughs> Holy, ma- I've never seen anything like that before. And, and now these are run flat tires. So run flat tires are special kinds of tires. So if they don't have any air in them, you can continue to use them for some limited amount of miles, right? But I'm looking at this thing 
and it took a hit, okay? Something bit a chunk that big out of the sidewall of the tire. And so ultimately, yeah, we had to like take care of business and get it fixed up, buy some tires and all that stuff, which we then did. But there was a bit of a residual, still is. I, I, one more thing I have to uh, attend to because it kind of knocked that wheel a little bit out of alignment. We're talking about alignment here this morning, right? So it whacked that wheel and just kind of pushed it a little bit out of alignment. And the result of all that is that the car pulls slightly to the left. It has a a, a bit of a left-handed kind of inclination, if you will. And it can be overcome, overcome. it can be compensated for by just kind of keeping, you wouldn't want to do one of these, you know, because the car will take you directly into the oncoming traffic, which is right there in front of you on the left. And so it could be dangerous, but by and large, it's just, it's a little something that's going to have to be adjusted. But it is an excellent illustration, I think, of what happens when something is out of alignment, right? When, when things are out of alignment, they are going to ultimately go in the wrong direction, okay? They are going to become dangerous. And so with our car, um, again, you have to be mindful of the fact that it just wants to slowly just ease itself to the left. Um, and so uh, I, with, with, with it in mind as to what we're talking about, keeping my mind aligned, right? being transformed by the, uh, the renewing of my mind. With this particular situation, this, uh, this, this wheel being out of alignment, it, um, it really has the potential to kind of waylay or, or, or wrongly direct the vehicle, right? And if our, when, when our lives are out of alignment, when our thinking is out of alignment with the word of God, um, we, we will have the same problem. Inevitably and eventually, because we are not working, we are not uh, moving, or we do do not have our life aligned, our direction aligned, our motivation aligned, our opinions aligned, whatever it may happen to be, aligned with what God has to say, Um, we potentially will wind up moving uh, in the wrong direction or wind up um, off track altogether. So, Whenever, you know, in, in that particular case, obviously that's a problem for the vehicle, but in, our, in, in terms of life, it is the exact same reality, that when, we, when our mind, when our thinking is no longer aligned with what God has to say, we are actually um, moving into a, da- into a danger zone. So over the next few weeks, I want to ta- take a look at a number of those, the ones that I just mentioned. There are, oh, there are so many. There are so many other passages that really bear down on this one thing. This is how one... Uh, cultivates spirituality. It's not, you, have, you don't have to f- spend 40 hours in the sweat lodge. You don't have to give the one-time love offering of $137,000. You know, so many things that we would think, well, I can't be a Christian because, oh, I got to give that up, or I got to, you know, I'll have to do this, or I'll have to wake up every Sunday, I'll have to go to church. And, and no, it's, I mean, it, all those things are useful and beneficial, and I hope that you look forward to coming to church, and, and I hope that when we get here, we can have something on the table for you that encourages and refreshes and strengthens you and sends you back out into this world to do battle with, uh, with, with it and with its challenges. But the, the, throughout Scripture, there, are just, there is just passage after passage after passage that focuses on this one thing, this one thing, that if we get our thinking lined up with the Word of God. And so over the next little while, you know, kind of like the, uh, the pastor rose up in me throughout the week. And I'm thinking, I'm not challenging these people enough. And I don't mean it in a bad way. You know that, right? I've been doing this a long, long time. But there's, there's a reality behind what I'm supposed to be doing, which is challenging you to step it up a little bit, right? And, and you'll be glad in the long run when you see me in glory, you'll go, Pastor Steve, man, give me five. Pow, right? I'm so glad you pushed me along a little bit, right? Because that's the way it's supposed to work. We're supposed to provoke one another unto love and good works, not meaning... We're to be provocative in the spiritual fashion, and not just to be, not to be somebody who's given a pain in the neck to everybody. But the, the scripture is full of these admonitions, and so here's what I want to do over the next little while. And uh, we'll, we'll actually put together like a little memory card, and we will memorize some of these passages of scripture. And then you can have them 
when you're going to work or, you know, you can just, just like get that in your mind. We're, we're doing this in school. I did this for years. I mean, I know a lot of passages of scripture, but largely I know them because for eight years I was a school teacher and every month we memorized the passage of scripture. <clears throat> we didn't memorize the verse of scripture. We memorized a passage of scripture. So all of, let's say the Sermon on the Mount, all of first and second Timothy, all of the, all of the book of Romans, you know, all these different places. And it, was, and it wasn't like, uh, I, I, I had to put an enormous amount of time. It's just if you do it every day, every day, every day, every day, it becomes yours. It becomes yours. And when it's yours and when it's in you, if these things are in you and abound, like Peter says in Second Peter, if these things are in you and abound, they make it so that you will never be barren or unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so an abundant entrance will be ministered unto you into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you want to cross over the threshold of heaven by the skin of your teeth. Oh God, I can't believe I made it. Or do you want to walk in there in victory? Right? And that, that is, to, as a matter of fact, even in this, this whole passage, it really speaks to us about God's intention for our life. We'll look at the, uh, this passage that's kind of in the, the centerpiece of, the, of where we are right now in Romans chapter 12. He says, I, um, therefore, um, by the mercies of God, I, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God, that you, um, draw a blank. I beseech you there, yeah, the, oh well. Oh well. <clears throat> oh, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, right? And, and that passage that we started out with, um, um, transformed by the thinking, by, um, by, by the, the, the fact that our, our mind is being changed. Okay, that idea of transformation, okay, that's, that's found in this verse of scripture. You know, I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. Be no longer conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind. Right? That, that word transformed is metamorpheo. Does that say everything you need to know about God's purpose for your life? God wants to take you, you ugly old worm, you nasty old worm, and God wants to work on you and put you in his cocoon and shape you up and work on you and, and pretty you up and make you look something special so that when you come out of that thing, you are a butterfly. That, in other words, that's the intention behind it, to take the ugly, old, beat-up, broken life that we, you know, that we've experienced as far as we have in this world, to take that life and just change it, transform it, make it into something wonderful and something beautiful, something that you're glad that you lived. So, don't go off on me. <clears throat> okay. So, um, honestly, I can't think of, of any particular endeavor or tool or uh, thing that someone could do that has the potential to be more beneficial and more fruitful, more spiritually enriching than to take some time to meditate and, and learn and focus on the Word of God. Um, so while we're going to take a, um, a, a number of pa a weeks to look at some of these passages. And uh, not only is it true that, that if, you, if you do this, like Peter says, an abundant entrance will be ministered unto you in the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. But um, not only that, but if we fail to do that, if we fail to, pray, to put a priority, because think about this, how many hours a week do you spend watching television? Lots, probably, no? Good for you, right? But probably for most people, or in front of your computer, or whatever, right? But like streaming something that's coming from the world. What the world is serving up, as we said before, is ultimately, well, there may be some things, some knowledge that you need for the job that you do and stuff like that, so that's all good. But a good deal of what the world is serving up is just simply an exercise in serving up futility. Stuff that is a waste of time, something that will never make anybody happy or fruitful in any way. So we'll take some time um, to uh, get into these passages. And if we, if we do this, we'll be fruitful. If not, we will probably not fulfill God's plan in our life. So you probably recognize the language behind the title of this message this morning. You probably, if you're familiar, if you've been a Christian and a Bible person for a length of time, you know that the passage that I took the title from is found in Romans chapter 12. So let's go there and take a look at what the word has to say. 
Now again, Romans chapter 12 marks the spot where Paul moves from theological teaching. Everything in the And by the way, if, if you're not studying some particular book in the Bible, may I recommend the book of Romans? Because if you know the book of Romans, you'll understand the entire plan of uh, uh, the entire council of scripture. You will know exactly what God did, how he started it, how he moved it along, how it has now been adjusted, and, and where it goes from here. So the whole first 11 chapters <clears throat> are all about these doctrinal truths that are essential to know. And then he, he like turns a corner or shifts gears in chapter 12, and that's when he now appeals to them to, because of what God has done, to present themselves, present their bodies living sacrifice. Um, so here we go. Here we go. Now, I was thinking about this too in the, in the process of um, preparing this message. Paul could have said, and very justifiably, he could have said, with all this in mind, I command you in the name of Jesus to start memorizing the word or, go, you know what I mean? He, all these things now that he is admonishing them to do, he could have said by a command. And it would have been totally appropriate. But notice the tones. What, this is what is so wonderful about Scripture, so wonderful about the Spirit of God, so wonderful about the nature of God. God is not, you will do. No, that's not his nature. He's saying, I beseech you. I implore you. It's a very gentle word, isn't it? Right? To beseech or to implore. It, you, you could say, I beg you. I beg you. In light, in, in, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, or in the light of the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It actually says in the NIV, which is your spiritual act of worship. You know, we sometimes, you know, we kind of think that worship is all about what we just did a while ago and singing, and, and that, that's a part of the picture. But this is real worship. This is your spiritual act of worship, that you just yield yourself over body, soul, and spirit, and say, Lord, whatever you have for me today, I receive it. Help me to, help me to allow you to work it into your overall plan for good for my life. So he says, um, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual act of worship, and do not be conformed to this world, all right? Now that word in Greek, the word conformed, has to do with something that is pressing you into its mold. That's what the world wants to do with, the, with all human beings. Press all of us into the mold. The world wants us to talk like it, to walk like it, to live like it, to act like it, to speak like it, okay? In every way so that, so, so that we have conformed the way we live and we are just no different than anybody else, okay? He says, be no longer conformed. Don't let the world press you into its mold, but be metamorphosed. How? By the renewing of your mind. There's the key, right? I will experience this metamorphosis um, power, transformational power of God, if I just simply let God have control of my mind, and then he can steer me wherever he wants to go. But I've got to have his word renewing my mind that you may, that you may prove. Notice what that's in another translation. It says that you may test and prove by experience. You know, the will of God is not necessarily a download. It's not a blueprint. So you get this vision or a dream, and now you know everything that's going to happen for the rest of your life, and it's all been detailed out for you. It, doesn't, it hasn't worked that way in my life, okay? The Word of God gives me the principles. It gives me the rubrics. It gives me the basics so that I can then become a discerning, a person who is discerning enough to see evil and see good and choose the good and get far away from evil. That's how it works, right? That you may prove. So the, the, the will of God is really something that you can test. In other words, you don't have to know it exactly. You might make a couple of mistakes along the way. You know what? No problem. If you got it wrong, you'll figure it out pretty soon. Spirit of God will let you in on what you're wrong about. And if you continue to let your mind be influenced by the word of God, you'll, you'll see what the truth is, uh, what, what truth you have violated along the way. So I, I just feel like that is such an important statement that you may test and prove by experience what is that good 
acceptable and perfect will of God, okay? And, and that probably relates in some way to degrees, okay? The good will of God, the kind of a basic lifestyle that's good and wholesome and um, spiritual, filled with the fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and gentleness, all of those things, that th- those things attend our attitude and our way. And, uh, and, and in the course of doing that, we will find ourselves moving from the good and acceptable to the perfect will of God for our life. It's, I, I've used the illustration of like a stream. It's like a stream. The water f- flows really fast in a stream in the middle, usually. If it's a deep river or something like that, the water is flowing fastest in the middle, and the water is circling back on the sides. And oftentimes, we never get deep enough to get that far away from the shore. We keep on circling back to the shore, back to the shore, and of course, it's kind of a a symbolic picture of like you know, back to the world, back to the world, back to the things that you know brought us some sense of comfort or whatever it may happen to be from this world. But it's only as we just like let that thing take us into the center. That's where the river's moving, and that's what God wants to, wants to bring us into the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. So there's a whole lot to break down here, and we will over the course of time. But check out that phrase: transformed, um, tr- transformed by the renewing. Of, your, of our minds. Um, <clears throat> chapter 12, as I said, marks the transition um, from, Paul, from uh, the Apostle Paul's teaching, theological teaching, to now the application, the practical application of all the things that he has said. <clears throat> um, Paul himself did not start the church at Rome. He was planning to visit it on his way to Spain, and so he probably wrote this letter for the purpose of kind of introducing himself to the congregation to give them an overview of the gospel that he was preaching and uh, tell them what it, what it actually means to be a believer. He actually had a longing, he says in the first chapter, for I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual thing between you and me. In other words, he knew that if he got to where they were and he had this body of believers together, he would go there and man, he had a ton to give. He had all kinds of truth that God had revealed. He couldn't wait to share it and give it out. And of course, they would have knowledge and insights and things that God had shown them. And so it would just be a rich spiritual time. So he was looking forward to seeing them. Um, And this letter kind of serves as uh, the opportunity for him to basically introduce himself. So um, Christ, I'm sorry, God's righteousness, I'm sorry, after teaching the great doctrine regarding the gospel of God's righteousness that is ours through faith in Christ, in Romans chapters 1 through 11, Paul begins to exhort the people in Rome how to live in a godly way. And this is what Romans uh, 12 through 16 is all about. So it starts with a very key word. I beseech you, therefore. Okay, when you, I've heard it preached before, it's kind of a a preacherism. All right, when you see a therefore, you have to go back and find out what the therefore is there for. Yeah, you ever heard that one before? You haven't been in church long enough now. Well, you heard it now, right? It's kind of one of those tired old preachyisms things, right? But the, the therefore points backwards and says, all that stuff is now, I, I told you all that stuff so that I beseech you now, therefore, by the, um, the, the, <clears throat> by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice. <clears throat> okay. So how do we do this? How do we present ourselves to be living sacrifices? How do we get into this process of transformation by the renewing of our mind? Well, as believers, the way that we we escape the process, um, like what what Peter says in 1 Peter, where he says, you have been made partakers of the divine nature and have escaped the corruption that is in the world through desire or through lust, okay? the, the, the means by which God transforms us is by the renewing of our mind. The renewing of our mind is what programs us with the right information so that instead of just bouncing off the walls and making one silly and ridiculous and harmful mistake after another, we actually have, um, we have God's direction inside. It's like you've got the GPS. You've got the Holy Spirit. He is the GPS. He's the ultimate GPS. He knows exactly where he wants you to get, and he's just going to keep on hassling you until you get there. He's just going to not hassling, but he's just going to keep on. He, does, he is relentless. Am I right? Anybody else experience this? You know what I mean? This, <clears throat> the, I know that the Holy Spirit speaks to me all the time, but he doesn't have a conversation with me. 
He just simply reminds me what a bonehead I am all the time and how totally unspiritual I really am. And he constantly brings this back, not in condemnation, ever condemnation. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So he doesn't tell us the reality. That's another one, another one of the passages that we'll have to look at regarding this whole thing. The word of God, uh, Hebrews chapter four. For the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing down to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, penetrating down to the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. That means that the word of God has the power to kind of take the mask off. Here's who you really are. Ooh, I don't want anybody to see that, Lord. Here's who you really are, Steve. And I find that the majority of times that God is speaking to me, he's speaking to me about things that need to get a little better in me. Right? I, don't, I haven't gotten any revelation about when Jesus is coming. I hope I never do, because I'll just be the next wrong person. But anyway, <clears throat> so the, uh, the word of God, if God is using his spirit like a GPS to kind of keep that focus, keep that, to keep our, our, our direction intact. <clears throat> so in Christianity, the mind is the key to the Christian life. The reason why non-Christians do not respond to Christian truth is that they cannot discern spiritual truth. So the gospel is a call for unbelievers to repent of sin and, and, and to embrace Christ by faith. Okay, all of this we know. I just have to kind of boil some of this down because it just takes too long to get through it all. So what I want to do is jump from that passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 12, which again is the focal point of uh, the starting point for what we're, what we're thinking about here today. Because what we're thinking about here today is getting our mind lined up, aligned with the Word of God. And so that, that's a powerful verse. But I want to go from there to 1 to Corinthians, both chapter 1 and chapter 2. I would really love to just go through the whole thing. We'll, we'll go through a bunch of it. But I would love to just kind of almost verse by verse go through the whole thing because it is such a strong and important statement on this very theme. Because Paul has come to Corinth, and of course Corinth is in Greece, and the Greeks are like, uh, they are just all about philosophy at this time in history. They love to get together and they love to talk new ideas and new thoughts and who's got a new understanding of the world. And this, this is kind of a passion for the entire Greek culture. And so when Paul goes to Corinth and actually when he launches uh, his missions out to go preach the gospel, he's coming from a radically different place, a radically different point of view. Some people, like what happens to Paul when he goes to Mars Hill in Athens and he begins to talk among all of these philosophers that have gathered together, and a bunch of them go like, this guy's out of his tree. This guy's nuts, right? And most of the time when he went to preach the gospel, most of the people thought, you're crazy. There wasn't any guy that got crucified that now came back to life and, and went to heaven as the king of the world. This just doesn't make any sense. And he, he identifies this fact that like, to the Greek world, what I have to say is foolishness, right? To the, to the, um, to the Hebrew world, to the Jewish world, what I have to say is error, total error, because this couldn't possibly be true. So he's got everybody kind of lined up to oppose and, and to uh, reject the truth, the gospel that he's teaching. But the, the truth is, he's the only person that's got it right. It, it, it amazed me just in reading through this whole, that chapter one and chapter two, how far ahead of everybody Paul was. So he, he goes through the whole idea of philosophy and the importance that, of it, that it has in that culture, how much they're in love with it and they just, just can't get enough of it and talk about grand ideas. And he says, you know what? All of this philosophy is of, of zero value because through all of the philosophy, of course, there's at this point 600 years of philosophy in Greece, and all, but all of it has, has not served to acquaint them with the creator of the world. So they've gotten all this information, all of this knowledge, all kinds of stuff has been, has been learned, but in reality, not one bit of it has brought them one step closer and so to, the, to the God who created them, and so therefore, it is useless and in vain. So anyway, as, as Paul starts this, um, this whole passage, this whole section, starting about mid-chapter one and then on into the end of chapter two, I want to, I want to show you what he says at the very end and then use that as kind of a, a, a subject line for uh, the rest of the things that we want to talk about here this morning. <clears throat> so in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, 
Here's what Paul says. <clears throat> Not that, yeah. <clears throat> For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? He borrows a passage from Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 13. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? And of course, the answer to that is nobody. Nobody has known the mind of the Lord to be able to give God some guidance, some counsel, some instruction, right? But he says, but we have the mind of Christ. You have today, you have the mind of Christ. You have the capacity and the capability to be able to view life, to view this world, to understand it, and to be able to interact with it in a way just like he did because he was able to be directed and he had complete and total understanding of what the purpose of God was for his life and, and for his ministry. And he was 100% successful in fulfilling that. And, be, and, and that's why it, come, it comes out so profoundly in the book of Philippians in chapter two, where we are admonished, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to kind of describe what that, my, who, being very, who very, being in very nature of God did not consider, this is one more passage that we'll have to take a look at, so I can't, can't preach the whole thing now, you know, blow it all. But again, he just simply says, who, um, who, who, although he was God, did not consider God, equality with God something you grasp, but he humbled himself, he became obedient. That's the key. Think like Jesus. You and I can think like Jesus. It doesn't have anything to do with whether I know the future or what's coming down or have clair, some type of clairvoyance or the ability to prophesy. It has nothing to do with that. It just simply has to do with a discerning mind. That's exactly what the Word of God will do. That's where I was going with that Hebrews chapter 4 passage where he says, For the Word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, able to pierce down to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, down to the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. The Word of God is able to show us who we really are for the purpose of getting better, for the purpose of being more fruitful um, being more successful in our walk with the Lord. Um, <clears throat> so that's the last passage. Uh, that's the tail end of that passage where he's reminding those people in Corinth, listen, you got a gift. When you came to Christ, you got a gift. You got the Spirit of God. And they didn't even have what we have. We have the Word. We got the Spirit and the Word. If you got the Spirit and the Word, you got all of it. You've got all the tools that you need to make you a 100% successful believer as you live here in this world. Amen for sure. Okay, so that's the end of the passage, but here's, here's the, uh, the starting point of it. As he's speaking to them, and again, he's kind of defending his message. And he says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. As it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And then he goes on to just kind of say, listen, listen, you guys, you know who you are. You know your calling. Not many of you guys are rich. Not many of you guys are important. Not many of you guys are noble. Not many of you guys are philosophers. And like pretty much he was he's saying to these people, you're just a, a, a little regular bunch of nobodies. Okay, there's nothing particularly significant about you. But God has chosen the nobodies. That's the thing. That's what makes the whole thing so different. That God is in the process. God wants the nobodies. The world wants the somebodies, right? The rich, the talented, the well-born, the, you know, whatever it may, whatever advantage a human being had, the beautiful, right? All of these different attributes that a person could have. That's what the world wants. And God couldn't care less about any of that. He, and, and he goes, he says, you know, you're calling that not many of you are rich, not many of you are mighty, not many of you are nobly born, right? But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound or bring to nothing those things that are esteemed to be wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound those things or to shame those things that are esteemed to be mighty and strong. And, and so this is the whole process. And, and it amazed me in thinking about this that like, here he is, and he's kind of head-to-head, head, so to speak, with all of the brightest minds of his time, but they all know nothing, and he's got it all. 
and his message is a complete inversion of theirs, and he knows what he's speaking, and even more, he says, for when I came to you, brothers, I didn't come to you with pervasive words of man's wisdom and, and speaking to you so that I would be very eloquent, that you would like be really impressed with what I knew and all that kind of stuff. He says, I came to you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my message was not something that would ground your trust in my ability to speak words of wisdom, but is grounded in the, uh, in the ability of God to, do, to work supernatural power. Like what Paul says in, in Romans uh, chapter Romans, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. For everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. The whole theme of that book of Romans is righteousness. How can we get there? How can righteousness ever be a part of us? On the best day that you and I ever live, there's a whole bunch of unrighteousness present all the time that you're constantly needing to get away from me, get out of me. You know, like I said, one time I was at Times Square Church and there's a guy front down the altar going, come out of me, come out of me. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like that, right? Sometimes you just feel like, get out of my life, get out of my head. Because there's this thing, you're just like you're dragging around. There's another, another kind of a, an image that comes up in Romans chapter seven where Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Okay, and the idea is like he's strapped to a corpse and it's him. He's strapped to his own corpse. He's strapped to this wreck of, of who he is. And he says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. So therefore is no condemnation. Anyway, can't get off on that at the moment. Can't get off on much of anything at the moment because the moments are passing away quickly. Let me give you five things that it actually means for us to have the mind of Christ. <clears throat> okay, what does it mean to have the mind of Christ? That's what I just said. It's talking back to me. The mind of Christ stands in sharp contrast to the wisdom of man. Again, that's what Paul's saying. I didn't come with wisdom. I didn't come with, you know, eloquent speech. I didn't come with anything that, any, that, that people would generally be interested. I came with, to a, with a message that most people think is just dumb and foolish. But that foolishness, that the foolishness of this gospel message is wiser than the wisdom of God. That's, the, that's what I mean by him being like so far ahead. That he's like tuned in to a message that they all think is stupid and God thinks is the richest possible truth that, can be, that human beings can have. So <clears throat> the mind of Christ stands in sharp contrast to the wisdom of man. Paul writes and says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellent speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech, <clears throat> my preaching, were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and power so that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Paul goes in and, pre and preaches this message to these people in Corinth, and there's tons of people around saying, what, what will the, I think it's even found in the scriptures, what, what does this babbler have to say? Right? And he goes in and he shares this message, and guess what happens? People get saved. And they get so radically saved, their life changes, okay? And, he, and all he knows is, hey, this is God working because I, I can't do this and I didn't come here to impress you guys or just to you know, speak things that would, would be impressive to you. I came bringing this message that everybody thinks is just kind of a silly message, a, full, a message that is full of foolishness and yet, look what it's doing. Look at the change. Look at you. Think about you. How much the gospel message has changed your entire life. You are on a completely different road than you would have been had you not met Jesus somewhere along the way. Hallelujah, right? And that, that, inter, that, that, um, that intersection with Jesus, that interaction with Jesus has done you to the extent that you have lived in it and walked in it and received it and been obedient and have been obedient towards it, I am certain that I can say that it has done you nothing but good. Can I get a witness this morning? 
right? And it has done you nothing but good. It has helped you to put away stupid things, fruitless things, and it's helped you to embrace things that are important and, and, and beneficial and wise for your life. It does nothing but good. So anyway, <clears throat> he says, um, that you're, so, so he, when he went to Corinth, he was just preaching this message that they considered, or many considered, just foolishness. Come on, you're telling, you're telling me a guy died on the cross and he came back to life? Come on, that doesn't happen, right? And we got a lot of people in our world right now who think that all of this is just silly and foolish, and many people who just think this is just something that really needs to be stamped out. This is, this is problematic, this church thing. You know, and they hate it because it makes you free. It makes you free. It takes away, some will say that this is a crutch. Well, that's okay if you're a cripple. It's okay to, have, to use a crutch if you're a cripple, right? And we are all like that. We are all, we're all damaged goods born into this world and, and have been through all kinds of different experiences, right? But the gospel comes along and it builds you up and it props you up and encourages you up and strengthens you and turns you into a different person than you were. And that's what Paul is observing. So, so he came into Corinth and preached this message and people got saved. I mean, they really got saved. And then more people were getting saved. Then more people were getting saved. And that's what God is doing around here too. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what he's doing in so many lives. And he's going to be doing it a lot more. And that's why we want to lay this foundation so that when, as God converts people, and they come alive to this whole reality of who Jesus is and what the plan, God's plan of redemption is all about. They can lay a foundation that will be solid and sure and firm. They will lay the foundation of the word of God. We gotta move on. The next one, the mind of Christ involves wisdom from God, once hidden, but now revealed. <clears throat> but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory. In other words, he's saying, people think that my message is foolishness, but I got news for them. This, this is the actual hidden wisdom of God. This, uh, <clears throat> he says, um, the, which God ordained before the ages uh, for our glory. God has, God has allowed this thing to look like it's stupid, so people in arrogance will reject it. So the, uh, one more aspect of of our lostness, right? But we speak the wisdom of God. He's saying it's not as though we're not speaking wisdom. We just got, we're just speaking a different kind of wisdom. We're speaking godly wisdom. All right, got to move on. <clears throat> Number three, the mind of Christ is given to believers through the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God who takes that information, that, that codified information that is found there in the Bible, takes it and kind of brings it to life and applies it and speaks it into our situations and our lives and our homes and our marriages and our businesses and every aspect of who we are. And um, <clears throat> that comes directly through the Spirit of God. But as it is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. That first uh, portion of that scripture almost sounds discouraging. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared. Well, how am I going to get a hold of it? Well, I'm going to have to get a hold of the Spirit of God, or he's going to have to get a hold of me, or both, right? And that's how, <clears throat> that's how this happened. For God has re um, revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. <clears throat> Number four. The mind of Christ cannot be understood by those without the Spirit. I, I put these up just so that we'll be reminded of the essential nature of the Holy Spirit who is our constant companion and partner, spiritual partner in this world, right? He is always there, always available, and he is always the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he takes these truths that we find in the Word of God and he just makes them live, brings them to you when you, when you most need them. When you're crushed or broken or hurting or disappointed or frustrated or fearful or angry out of your mind, okay? Or maybe I'm the only person who ever gets there, right? This is just common stuff in our world right now. There's so much fear. There's so much anger. There's so much um, falsehood and fraud. It, it makes you want to scream at the television like that old movie network, right? I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore, right? If you remember the, the movie that came out a number of years ago. But it's like that. You watch somebody get up before Congress and lie through their teeth. The border is totally secure. <laughs> you lying 
You know, but that's the kind of world we're living in now. And it's only getting more intense and more insane because we have lost touch with the truth of the word of God. Well, like they say, if you, if you won't um, stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And that's, what, that's what's happening. People are, are believing they're drinking the Kool-Aid and they are believing the falsehood and believing the fraud. Then finally, the mind of Christ cannot be understood by those without the spirit. Get in touch with the spirit. I think the, 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 the coolest part, I have to say that for years, I just didn't get the spirit. And in other words, I'm, I'm always looking to analyze everything. I, I feel like I have to understand this. And I don't understand one thing about the spirit of God. It is not, a, it is not meant to be an intellectual understanding, right? Although there's intelligence there and it's a, a, that's a part of it. But it is meant to be a companion, a guide, a comforter, an encourager, a truth teller, a convictor. You know, you know what I mean? Like a, a constant presence to bring to us the reflection of the words of Christ because I have the mind of Christ. So I have the mind of Christ. I got the same advantages that Jesus had. I can process everything that comes my way and get it right, pretty much. I'm not, I'm not quite as adept as I'd li- I would like to be. But we can, we can, uh, we can have great wisdom and understanding of the word of God. For the natural man does not receive the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. That means without the spirit of God actively working in our lives, none of this will make any sense. And so it's essential to, uh, to keep that tight, keep that in play. And then finally, the mind of Christ gives believers discernment in spiritual matters. But he who is spiritual judges all things. Yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord? He may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. And that mind of Christ is fully capable, but we gotta give, it some tool, give him something to work with. That's the thing. And, and when you give the spirit of God who is in you and with you, the word of God, which you also have taken in and, and planted deep down in your own heart, that's the magic, that's the dynamic duo. That's the magic combination, those two things, because the spirit of God can use that word to lift you up and to encourage you and to bring you faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the, the word of God right? If I don't know the word of God, I'm not going to have the faith that I need at the moment that I need it. To be, you know, there's so many things that come up and they, they can just trash you, and just trash you, devastate you with some bad news or a frustrating situation, loss of a job, death of a loved one. So many things can just happen that just totally undermine your entire state of mind. But if you have the word of God in you, the spirit of God can take that word of God and speak it right back to you. And you go like, yep. Sometimes in, in ministry, probably most of you have experienced this. <clears throat> Sometimes in ministry, somebody will call, they got a problem, we get on the phone, I'll talk. Talk for, you know, it could be, well, it's, it's never 10 minutes. If I, 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 I just usually do one thing. If somebody tells me how many minutes they want, I throw one more zero on there. You know, I just need you for 10 minutes. Okay, we just went to an uh, hour and a half. I'm not complaining. But just simply to say that you, you feel when you're speaking spiritual truth to another person, you feel like you're just speaking cliches. You know, they know this, you know this, but you know what? The word of God is living and it's powerful and it's true and it's real and it, and it actually does break the burden and break the, it attacks it. It challenges it, which is why when Paul says, um, for the weapons of our warfare are, are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity and into obedience to Christ. That's what the word does when it's in, when it's in our life. It will challenge that. It's kind of like a doorkeeper. Boom. This far, no farther. Right? The word of God. And so here comes some intruder. It's a bad idea. It's a bad thought. Whatever. It's like, sorry, no entrance. Bringing every thought into captivity to Christ. I got to quit. Anyway, that's where we're going to go for the next little while. Want to? You on board? You with me? So we're going to have, Jewel, you'll have to help me with this. We'll have to give out weekly memory cards. We'll just, I know. Yeah. We're getting some mileage out of you, baby. 
All right, let's take it to the Lord, shall we? Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today. It's such a blessing for us to be here. Such a blessing for you to be building a family here. Who knows where everybody's at, what challenges people are going through. I'm sure everybody's got their own story. But you are sovereign and you are in control. You know the road that we take, like Job said. And after you have tried us, we'll come out of this whole thing like pure gold. You hear that, Sandy? You're coming out of this thing like pure gold. Boink. That's what you're going to do. That's what everybody's going to do. If we just have that, if we have that word on board. So, Father God, lead us at this time. I just pray you just continue to bring people, Lord, into the fellowship and people that we can teach and impart truth and, and that it will just raise up a dynamic army of people who are just filled with the Spirit of God and loving you. So, Lord, bless the whole project, we ask. Make it fruitful. In Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people enthusiastically said, Amen.